0: Welcome to Mighty Women, Season 1. Listen in to hear the stories of influential women and get leadership advice you can use in your own career. I'm your host, Riley Herman. Find us on MightyWomenPodcast.com. Naomi Anderson is a leader in computer programming with over 16 years of hands-on experience in the field. But like many of us, she didn't always know exactly what she wanted to be when she grew up.
1: When I was little, I wanted to be a dodo bird. We started with that, um, and then I really liked shoes that clicked, and I thought it would be fun to be like aspire a detective, and that kind of moved into law. So this is way back when I was a kid, uh, and I thought I might want to do law, and I did the um, mock trial in high school, and realized, you know, researching things wasn't as fun as the like being in the court. So I was like, oh, maybe this isn't my thing. So I settled on electrical engineering, and I had this grand. But naive plan of making this fantastic club that had all of these lights, like Saturday Night Fever floor, but like it was like a geodesic dome. And anyway, so I went to college in, in engineering and I started that and realized my nightclub had nothing to do with electrical engineering. Um, and it wasn't really, I had to put all of the classes down that I was planning to take so that I could um, apply for a co op. and. Um, I looked at all of these classes that I was taking for the next four years and thought, I don't want to do this. This is not that interesting to me.
0: After moving away from her dream of starting a dance club, Naomi discovered computer science.
1: The first computer science class I took, it was a half semester course. It was introduction to C++. And I sat in the back of the room and I cried every single day. I didn't understand any of it. Like none of it made sense. And even I remember our final exam was this question about how many cups could you get out of the keg like they were trying to make it really relevant and it was like I don't know how to do this like this is terrifying um but I still signed up for the next one and uh, slowly I kind of got to the idea that you know it's a slightly different way of thinking um and once you get that idea down on like this is what the way you think um it's not easy, but it becomes a lot more easier. And and then, you know, the languages, for the most part, are just syntax on top of that. Like, um, so you can speak in whatever language you need, I guess, um, but it's really just, do you understand the concepts? And if you understand the concepts and what you need to do, then you figure out how to do it in whichever language. So throughout um, college, I got a little more confident. Uh, you know, I started to enjoy myself. And it's really, it's puzzle solving to me. I find it it's like, it's just a big puzzle, but you don't necessarily know what the end picture is going to look like. Like you have some ideas, it has to have this or that, um, but you get to decide how it gets there. Um, and, you know, working with other students when we, when we were allowed to work together, um, we would all approach the problem completely differently. I got a job with Motorola with their Department of Defense um, division down in Arizona. And uh, I started down there we got bought by another company, General Dynamics. Um, And uh, I was, including the Motorola days, I was there for 14 years uh, with the company. And um, I think a lot of thoughts about moving between jobs have changed. But when I started, my idea was, I got a great job, I'm going to stay there till I retire. And so because it was such a large company, I had the ability, every few years, I could say, hey, I'm going to go to another division. And I'd have to interview, but it was still, you already had a job. There wasn't a lot of pressure. If they said no, they said no. Um, and then you could switch, you know, you'd go to a different uh, project that they were working on and, and work on something new.
0: I wasn't sure if she was allowed to tell me more, but I asked Naomi about the projects she worked on for the Department of Defense. Turns out she was able to tell me a lot more than I
1: expected. So they get uh, parts of contracts or full contracts. Typically the contracts are um, At least, from what I remember, were shared between companies, Um, and so you would work on one part of a project. So, some of the projects that I worked on, um, in fact, the one that I really felt like I, you know, kind of came into being and like started to really get confident as a programmer is one called um, Rescue Twenty One, and it was a modernization of the Coast Guard's um, computer system and their radio system to some extent. and so I worked on the kind of the soft phone part of it and being able to um, connect someone you know, on, that's on a um, radio with someone on a phone so that they could talk to someone on the phone. Um, another part that I was involved in, not in the hardware, but in the software part of it, was there was a direction finding component. And so um, I would have to go back and re-research this, but my understanding was there, they, spent a lot of time and resources going out on calls where they couldn't find the people because either the directions or, you know, the position they were given was wrong or they didn't have a position or someone was sitting in a Wendy's parking lot on that same channel, you know, making a false call. And so the system that got put in basically could help figure out an area that they could go search. And um, I think even when we were testing it out, they were able to like determined that one call was coming in from land because it was like on the map pointing in the other direction. Um, and so that one felt pretty good. I mean, that was, uh, a lot of search and rescue help. And, you know, it's interesting to learn about something that's completely foreign to me. Um, so, you know, that's one project. Another project was, um, it's called the mobile user objective system. And it was a, it's a new satellite system for the Navy. And so, um, you know, there's companies that are working on the payload for the satellite and uh, you know, all different things. And so I worked on some of the user interface that would put what the um, what the user put in that they wanted the satellite to do. And then we would convert it into a form that could then be uploaded to the satellite. Um, but then another system did the uploading. So there's a lot of interfacing. Um, so just whatever they contract you yeah. to do. Um There was one uh, that I worked on that was deployed um, into Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, that comes with a little bit of, you know, know, I'm writing the software, and then someone who's out there is actually using this.
0: Naomi migrated to Pittsburgh from Arizona after she fell in love with our city on a business trip.
1: There's something about it where, like, people, um, they grew up here, they stayed here, and, you know, there's just such a wide range of things to do, because you could, anything culturally and artistic you wanted and there was an amusement park like you had just and hiking and you know and all of the stuff and so um, at the end of the trip I walked into the manager's office and I said can I transfer here um, and, uh, and they transferred me so I think we yeah, had moved in October and uh, it was fantastic it was uh, my children weren't school age yet so I figured it was a good time you know to move and um, really enjoyed it here
0: What obstacles have you faced in your career?
1: I think I've had two major types of obstacles. Um, One of them is more general and one of them is probably just personal. So um, more generally, you know, having kids um, and then continuing to work, I very quickly realized that I had been naive prior to having kids and that, you know, if a manager said, oh, we we need this done by Monday and we'd work all weekend or we'd come in on Saturday and, you know, I was younger and I thought, why isn't the rest of the team doing this? And, you know, why why is it always us? Um, So I hadn't learned to say no (laughs) was one thing. And and then after kids, I realized, oh, you know, you can say no. Like they weren't there because they were with their families and that's okay. Um, You know, so part of it was just, figuring out how to make sure that I really still felt like I was contributing at my job, um, that I felt satisfied at it, but that I wasn't bitter because I was missing out on kids and, you know, the things that I wanted to do. So um, they call it work-life balance. Um, I just think of it life balance (laughs) in general. Um, Still working on that. uh, But what I've found as the years have gone by is I have like for me personally, I have like three main buckets that I try to balance. I have work, I have home and family, and then I have me. Um, And so I can go quite a while keeping all three of those kind of in balance. Like for myself, I like to go to CrossFit in the morning or do aerial silks. And so like, if I can get to those without missing out on a lot of family time, like I'm like, that's very well balanced. And if I go early in the morning um, to the gym, then I at work early in the morning, and then I get lots of work done for the day, and then I can go home and not feel like I still have more to do. And so those are like very balanced days. And then deadlines come up, and now I have to work a little harder, and I don't get to go to the gym as often, and you know, miss things with the kids, and uh, you know, I work until that deadline has passed, and then try to get right back into the um, into the balance. And I think just recognizing that. It's not always going to be balanced and that sometimes, you know, when the kids are sick or they have a concert coming up or they have other things, you know, sometimes I need to put my priorities there and, you know, make sure that I'm not holding my team up at work. But, you know, and then there's other times I need me time and <laughs> I just go to the gym a lot more and, you know, go read a book or um, whatever. So that's one challenge I think is to kind of keep going is just to make sure you're happy, like all around in all aspects of your life. Um, and then the other challenge, um, I will say it just for myself, I think other people experience this, um, but there is something that's referred to as imposter syndrome, where um, you don't feel like you're good enough to be there. So even though you're in a position and you know, you've know you made it into a, a really nice position, um, you think, oh no, when are they gonna find out that I'm a fake? You know. Um, and so, I mean, I think in general, my entire career has kind of been molded by insecurities. So, you know, in college, I remember I, uh, I was helping this one guy with uh, something that, you know, one of the classes and another class, I asked him for help. And he said, well, you should be able to figure this out yourself. And it was a very like, it, it was a wake up call because one, it made me think, well, why can't I figure it out myself? You know, and I thought, okay, wait, so the other people in the class actually need help. They're just not necessarily going and getting it um so that has helped to realize that even the most confident of people don't always know what's going on um but yeah a lot of times feeling insecure about you know do i really belong here am i doing a good enough job um, and one of the ways that i've started to overcome that um, although it still creeps in here and there is um well a couple ways so one is um, I always try something, you know, but I give it a time limit. So you know, everything we do is on time limits. You have a certain amount of time to get something working. So, you know, I may say, well, I'm going to try this for an hour. I'm going to try this for half a day, depending on what it is. And um, if I can't figure it out myself and Google is my friend, I mean, we Google everything. I can't possibly keep everything in my head that I need. Uh, so, you know, if I can't figure it out in a book or online, you um, then I'll go ask coworkers workers and, and get help. And I think one of the important things for me is to ask for help early um, because it's much better, in my opinion, to have asked for help and have it identified like, okay, well, this might take longer because we need help than to wait till the end and say, well, it's not done. Like yeah. that's kind of, because that messes up the whole team if they're waiting um, on yours. So um, I think... and. Just reminding myself, I really can do this. Like I've been doing it for 19 years, you know, so I think part of that is just the uh, gaining confidence over the years of experience and saying, oh yeah, okay, I did something like this 15 years ago, and it worked just fine. So, um, but yeah, knowing you have a support group around you, and it's okay to ask questions, and a lot of times I'll listen and watch chat groups and stuff, um, or, you know, conversations within work, because people are asking questions all the time. So just because, you know, maybe the men are asking questions and and I like had filtered that out um, where they don't ask questions and I do, and then I find out that everyone else wanted to know the answer too. So um, I think that, you know, the insecurity has been an obstacle, but I think it's also, I've learned a lot from it. So I've also learned like, you know, it's important to kind of read people and understand what the reactions are gonna be um, so you know how to interact with them and, you know, if you ask them a question and you get this kind of dismissive answer, oh, it actually isn't me, it has nothing to do with me. That's just the way they answer the questions. Um, so people skills, even though like I don't lead anyone, I think people skills are very important. Um, and that helps with the confidence too. And to find something like, so I can become good at this and then I can offer help to other people. What's your favorite part of your job? I love being able to figure out how to do something new and then getting it to work. Uh, Really just like puzzle solving. I mean, I I view the whole thing as almost, it's not a game, but it is kind of like a game to me. So, um, and then getting to show people what you did. Um, I mean, even as an internal, uh, but yeah, I think just like the sheer sense of accomplishment when something was like broken for four days and you finally figured out what was wrong um, is just, it's. That's my favorite part.
0: Due to confidentiality in the industry Naomi is currently working in, we aren't able to talk much about her current work. But she told me what she
1: could. Well, I write code. <laughs> um, and I think, so it's not un- different than previous positions for the most part is, um, you know, as a software developer, I'm given some level of defects that have come in. And, you know, you go through phases of fixing defects, and then you go through phases of um, new design and Putting things out.
0: What practices have helped you grow in your career?
1: The things that I've done so far over my career that I think have helped me grow the most would be to identify something that either I feel I'm not very good at or um, I may be able to do it but it makes me extremely uncomfortable and to kind of pursue some way of making myself better or more comfortable with that. So um, I did at one point actually start going back for a master's degree. Um, And I did like three semesters, one class of semester while I was working and decided that it wasn't for me. I wasn't getting the like hands-on, I need to know this now kind of information. Um, So I was doing it more for like my job because I thought, oh, everybody has these, you know, advanced degrees and I don't. Um, So I said, nope, that's not for me. Um, But finding things online where you can go through and like learn, You know, introductory Java before I was doing Java, or um, you know, a lot of in my previous positions they would offer training on generational gaps. So um, when you work with people through different ages, and yeah, it's it's horribly stereotyped, but it also made sense too. So the idea was to kind of teach you about different people's motivations based on you know some extent of where they. Grew up from what time frame, right? And so taking classes like that, um, you know, has nothing to do with whether or not it can code. But it, you know, you work with other people, so understanding why this person may have this opinion about how something should be done, and this person has this opinion, and being able to find like a common ground. um,
0: Especially when you're building something that's going to be used by like a wide, right, range of people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. um, Which is also important to know that like. You are not necessarily the customer, right? Um, so, so any kind of like people skills, like soft skills type stuff, I think, um, that has helped me improve. Um, because you know, I went from never being able to say no and then wanting to say no, but feeling really guilty about it, and then realizing, okay, I can say no, but I know that if I say no to this. I'm still doing all of these other things and I'm still getting my work done and like, I'm still a part in helping the team. Um, And I think like for me, it's all balanced. Like everything turns out to be balanced (laughs) um, in the end and and really being able to, you know, know how to interact with your coworkers so that it's um, friendly. Like even if there's, you know, a debate or something it comes out friendly at the end, Um, you know I think those types of skills are good. And then just you know, online classes when I get a chance. Um, I'm not someone who codes a lot in their free time. Um, but every once in a while, I just say, well, I'm going to try this and, you know, I'll do an online course. Um, so just kind of constantly learning. And mostly, though, it's just asking co-workers questions. You know, I mean, half the stuff I know is because I asked somebody at work or I overheard them talking about it. I'm like, oh, how do you do that? You know, um, so I think the people around you can be just the best resource.
0: What do you think is your greatest achievement so far?
1: I thought about this one a lot. Um, Because I did, like, so how do you ask me this 10 years ago? I had won um, a technology award, or I'd been... um, put in for and then gotten the technology award when I was at General Dynamics. And I couldn't believe I'd gotten it so young and it was so exciting to get it. Um, but since then, honestly, I think my biggest achievement is that I'm still doing what I really want to do. And, um, you know, there were some times throughout the career where I was like, well, you really should be going into management and you should be managing people um, or doing something that is a more what was called a leadership role, but something that was more big picture and not necessarily just the actual creation of the thing. Um, and I did try it a couple of times and I really, I just didn't enjoy it. And you spend so much time at work that like, you should enjoy what you're doing. Um, you, know, there are, you know, of course there are days I'm like, ah, I don't want to go today, but mostly like I really enjoy going to work.
0: I always ask everyone I interview for a book recommendation and Naomi's answer was The Story of Ferdinand the children's book by Monroe Leaf. Here she is talking about why this story was her pick.
1: I am in this, you know, believe in yourself, do what you think is right book, uh, uh, kind of mode right now. I don't know, maybe this is my early midlife crisis. But um, I haven't seen the movie, and I refuse to see the movie. I may see it at some point down the road. But this is one of my, Ferdinand is one of my favorite books because he does what he wants to do even though it's going against the grain, right? So all of the other bulls are growing up, they're growing big, they're showing their prowess and it's this big deal and they all want to get into the bullfighting ring. And he likes to smell flowers. And um, his mother is encouraging, which, you know, it's fantastic to have this, you know, encouraging parent there who sees, okay, my kid doesn't really want to go with the flow and that's okay, let him do it, you know. Um, By accident, he winds up essentially, you know, hailed as the, this great bullfighter because he got stung by a bee. Um, and he still, he got there and he stayed true to himself. Like he didn't fight. He smelled the flowers and then they took him back and, you know, so, and now he smells the flowers. And like, I, I don't know, just the idea that he stuck true to himself, even when everyone else wanted to do this other stuff, and then even put in the situation where he had to, was supposed to perform and do this other thing. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. Um, I think that takes, a, that takes a lot of guts.
0: Mighty Women is recorded and produced in Pittsburgh. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, And check back weekly for new episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud.